More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Third hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. First show of 2022 upon us now. Thank you very much for being here. We always appreciate your time, friends. 800-282-2882. A little bit of a preview of where we're going later on this week. As you know, this Thursday is January 6th, the so-called insurrection. And I have written about this at BuckSaxon.com, and I stand behind it. The Jan- Anyone who calls January 6th an insurrection is either an idiot or a liar. I know something about insurrections as a, or, or coups. Someone who worked in the intelligence community, we understand how this stuff happens in other countries. People taking selfies and trespassing, even in a mob, are not going to uh, affect a coup or an insurrection in any meaningful way. But just be prepared for, and we'll discuss it a lot, we'll have some guests to bring this to the forefront later this week. Be prepared for CNN to go to uh, 11. For those of you that remember the movie This is Spinal Tap, they're going to take the hysteria to 11 on this. Because what else have they got? They certainly don't have the end of COVID cases to talk about. We also want to discuss the people still held in solitary confinement. We have political prisoners in this country right now. You can't hold people for months and months on end without trial for nonviolent crimes and say that you're doing this in keeping with law and justice in America. Sorry, that that doesn't happen. The Democrats don't mind because they have to punish. They have to punish those uh, guilty of parading without a license or whatever the specific charges inside the Capitol. So we'll discuss that to be sure. Just to put this all in the context, because we've been mentioning the COVID cases, and I want to dive into the school situation with Clay here in a moment. We we aren't just at a high level of COVID spread in the United States right now. We are at the highest level of COVID spread ever. All right. This is the data from the CDC, as listed on The New York Times, but it comes directly from the CDC. You're at four hundred and five thousand cases on average as of January 2nd, over 14 days, over a two week period. That is a two hundred and four percent rise. Cases have doubled in two weeks on average. Now, deaths, thank 
thank heavens, are still at a relatively low level. You have not seen an increase in the average death rate. It's about 1,200 a day. In fact, it's down 3% over the last 14 days, which, of course, is in line with Omicron is less dangerous. There's still a lot of Delta out there. There's still other the other variants, but Omicron is substantially less dangerous, which is very, very good news. And we may get to a point where we're at the end of the pandemic here, by and large, because there's so much natural immunity from so many people getting infected, and particularly with this big surge of Omicron, the chance of someone never getting COVID at this point, given how this how Omicron variant spreads, is is small. But fortunately, it's less dangerous than uh, some of the other variants. Given all this, there's still discussion about shutting down schools, and you can hear people talking about the danger to kids still. Here's Dr. Scott Gottlieb on Face the Nation on Sunday talking about children dying at 200 times the rate as compared to the flu. Clint, I'll break this down for you. We have to recognize this has not been a benign disease in young children. There's a perception that young children haven't been hit hard to date from coronavirus. That's just not true. We've recorded more than 600 pediatric deaths from COVID over the last two years. To put that in perspective, we had one death from flu in the pediatric population last year and so far two this year. So over a period of time, we've done a very good job protecting children generally from respiratory infections. We've recorded more than 600 deaths from COVID against three deaths from flu okay this is bullcrap and this guy is intentionally misleading people let's start with this because i actually checked the numbers clay we checked the numbers here on this show an average flu year last year there was apparently no flu which is a whole other conversation to be had right in an average flu year 150 children die from flu about 150 is, is is the number you see so it's not two it's 150 the 600 number he gave you a lot of that are people who died with COVID, children that with COVID, not from COVID. And even within the from COVID, uh, based on the most recent data, 70% of the children who have died from COVID had substantial comorbidities, effectively a non-functioning immune system, pediatric cancer. I mean, they were at serious risk from any disease that could possibly be out there. But he's he's making it seem like this needs to happen. Why, Clay? They've just approved boosters for kids over 12. Your kid has to get the shot. There are many parts of the COVID response universe that, to me, are indefensible from a data perspective. Trying to scare parents, to me, is the single worst thing that's occurred over the past couple of years. And Gottlieb is smart enough to know exactly what he is doing The same thing is true of Dr. Fauci and everyone else. And I just want to keep hammering this home because I think it's so significant and because I'm the parent of three young kids. I've got a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And they matter more to me than anything in the world. Anything. If I thought they were in substantial danger from COVID, I would be taking whatever measure was necessary to protect them. The reality is much of parenting is is about analyzing risks and behaving in a rational fashion. That's a real truth. My kids and your kids are under more danger right now of being murdered, of dying in a car accident, of drowning. And if you look and they are young and you look at the years ahead, as Buck just said, as opposed to the past couple of years when the flu has disappeared, they are under more danger, young kids are, 
from the seasonal flu. Five to 11-year-old kids, that is. 11 and younger. Those are all super significant factors, okay? They should be spread far and wide because they undergird the responsibility that we all have that schools remain open. And Buck, to your point, right now, Chicago school teachers are threatening to not return to school, arguing that there is a danger from COVID that is so substantial that we need to pull all kids out. The failures that we have had as it pertains to children surrounding COVID, Buck, you know this, the data reflects that we never should have shut down schools. But if we were going to shut down schools, the biggest failure of all is that we didn't reopen every school in the country in the summer and fall of 2020. We didn't do that because Democrats were trying to drag Joe Biden across the finish line, and they made the calculated decision that terrifying parents was going to help them with suburban women and uh, and with some suburban men who just didn't like Trump, that they were going to hang all of the deaths from COVID on Trump. That storyline, it's gone now, right? More people have died with COVID under Joe Biden's presidency than died with COVID under Donald Trump's. So as you said, we are at an all-time high for the number of COVID cases, and what you're starting to see is a pivot to, hey, maybe cases don't even matter as much. Did you see what MSNBC of said? Of course, yeah. Chris, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Hayes said that it's, Chris it, we Hayes might have said, to treat this like the flu, which some of us have been saying for almost two years now. I mean, they're returning to the original arguments that were made to try to get us to avoid the lockdowns, the mandates, the mask mania, all of it. But if we're really going to look at this and not only do an after action report to assess the damage, but to help us to guide us right now, we have to look at the downsides, the upside of all these programs, whether it's masking, uh, forced vaccination, uh, social distancing, lockdowns is almost zero for people that are really looking at this. I mean, it's very hard to make a case that this has the only exception would be. Uh, you know, the the increase in vaccination that you might get in some places for the at risk population. But as we know, it didn't stop the spread. All the other stuff, lockdowns, crazy masking, irrelevant. I mean, all these things didn't work, but the costs are very real. And we're still just getting a sense of what they are. This is the New York Times over the uh, over the Christmas break as Clay and I were out on vacation. I read this and I wanted to bring it to your attention. This is a quote from it. The students returned, but the fallout from a long disruption remained. Here it is. Nationally, the high school age group has reported some of the most alarming mental health declines evidenced by depression and suicide attempts. Adolescents have failed classes critical to their futures at higher rates, affecting graduation and college prospects. Elected leaders and public officials scrambled to bring students back to school last winter and spring. The focus on having the youngest and most vulnerable students return to in-person instruction left many high school students to languish with a large number missing most or all the 2021 academic year. Clay, suicide, depression, academic, uh, you know, left behinds, if you will, catastrophic levels. Kids are killing themselves because of the mental anguish they've been put through by being masked up, separated from their friends. A lot of homes can't really handle having a kid at home five days a week instead of being in school. People, you know, there's maybe only one parent. There's there's difficult family situations. And they don't even factor this in. You know, Fauci, it's cruel what they're doing. I mean, that's really what, what, what Fauci and the teachers unions and Randy Weingarten have done to kids is cruel. And they need to answer for this. It's inexcusable. And unlike... Many of the people, and I wish, look, 
you always feel like you have to say this because you'll get clipped and somebody will be like, oh, Clay and Buck don't care about death. Let me be clear here. I wish we were all immortal, right? I wish that my grandma and your grandpa and me and everyone that I love would never die, right? I wish that I could snap my fingers and make that a reality. If you, that is not unfortunately going to become a reality, okay? If you look at the ages, and I think this is such a significant story and it isn't talked about very much, Buck, in addition to all those mental health challenges, to the suicide rates, we're not hardly even talking about the rates of overdose deaths and what has happened since we locked down the country and basically disallowed people to continue to have the support structures that they might have had in their life before, churches, uh, addiction groups in some form or fashion. Overdose deaths have doubled since we went with lockdowns. When you average in that the people who are dying of overdose are in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and then you also factor in all of the kids whose lives are being inalterably uh, ruined in many ways by not having school, we're taking away the quality of life of young people and we are on the back end not really preserving very much of a quality of life for old people. We have failed. Being unable to uh, live in a nursing home and be around other people is not giving them a quality of life either. This is, and, and I want to keep hammering this home because it's true, the biggest American policy failure since Vietnam, and I think it's even worse than Vietnam, which means I don't even know now. If you look at our response to covid I don't even know how far back in time you have to go, probably outside of the 20th century almost, in order to look at how big of a systemic failure this is. The most disastrous, painful, and destructive decision made by any public health apparatus in modern history. I mean, I don't know what you could think of that would even begin to align with this. And they will never admit it, friends. Just just know that right now. They will never admit it. You know, we, we talked about, I mentioned that uh, Ron DeSantis getting, a, getting attacked for, you know, accompanying his wife to try to help her beat cancer. He spoke out about that today. We'll get to that in a little awesome. bit. He, he senses, he senses, Clay, maybe there is a double standard at work here, considering where Joe Biden's been hanging out. But, you know, refinancing your mortgage can make a big difference in your life, especially with today's low rates. You could save up to $1,000 a month. That's twelve grand a year. That kind of money can be used to pay off debt, invest, improve your home. It's totally up to you. It starts with a call to American Financing, America's home for home loans. They're a national mortgage lender with salary-based mortgage consultants, meaning they provide a no-pressure, no-obligation experience that's focused on you. You never pay upfront or hidden fees either because they truly follow a consultative approach working with you to find the greatest overall savings. So what are you waiting for? Take advantage of a free mortgage review now and see if you can save up to $1,000 a month. Clay, how do our people get hooked up? It's simple. Call American Financing at 800-777-8109. Again, get your phones in your hand, 800-777-8109. Or you can visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLS Michael Rappaport and I'm Kibi Rappaport and together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. By the way, uh, Senator and Dr. Rand Paul going to join us on tomorrow's show. Uh, should be an interesting conversation because Rand Paul has now announced that he's no longer going to post any vote videos to YouTube. He's going exclusively to Rumble, uh, which is a free speech alternative to YouTube that we need to be posting on more frequently than we already are. Uh, but it's part of the long, larger part and parcel discussion surrounding big tech and its overall shutdowns. But I wanted to play this clip for you because I think it's pretty significant. Uh happened during the holiday season. We talked earlier in the show about how pathetic Joe Biden looked one year into his presidency, effectively walking around on the beach with his dog masked up outdoors. No one else around him other than his wife. And Joe Biden, you'll memorably recall, ran his entire 2020 presidential campaign predicated on the idea that he would shut down the virus, that he would take the science seriously, and that he would do that with a federal plan that he would put in place. That sounded good enough, again, to persuade a segment of persuadable suburban voters, independents, hey, Joe Biden's going to fix COVID, he'll take it seriously, Trump hasn't. Of course, that's no longer true. 
And now Biden has just pulled up the proverbial mask and revealed the reality is there's not very much the federal government can do to combat COVID. This was Biden right before uh, the holiday season. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. And it ultimately gets down to where the rubber meets the road. And that's where the patient is in need of help. Wait, so if there's no federal solution... Why is there a federal vaccine mandate? If there's no federal solution, why do planes require you because of FAA regulations to mask up between bites? Remember, you're not masking up on planes, everybody. We all drink a little water. So you were actually masking up between bites. If you were running this as an actual scientific experiment, you'd have to have people, you know, enter a room with a highly transmissible aerosolized virus like, say, measles or chicken pox and have people pull their mask up and down every five minutes for an hour and see how effective it is. That is the idiocy they are subjecting you to on planes right now. But, yeah, all of a sudden, Biden's Biden's uh, discovering federalism, it seems. Maybe it's just, Clay, the obvious thing here, which is. The federal plans have failed. So now by saying it's up to the states, he's passing the buck, so to speak. That's exactly what he's trying to do. The entire rationale for him running for president ultimately boiled down to when he was in his basement wearing that gargantuan oversized mask uh, with his sunglasses. Sometimes the entire basis for his running for president was that he would solve covid. And we are nearly one year almost to the day as we come up a couple of weeks away from one full year of Joe Biden being president. And what looks like is going to happen is every single day, potentially between now and the one year anniversary of Joe Biden taking office, we're going to be setting buck an all time record for new covid cases. It's impossible for Joe Biden to have failed more spectacularly. It's impossible for the underlying reason, the foundation for his presidential campaign to be more undermined than simply by looking at the data on COVID. He has failed amazingly. And imagine what people would be saying if Donald Trump had won this election, they would be losing their minds over COVID still being an issue. And Democrats would be saying if Joe Biden had won, this would have never happened. They would impeach him for the COVID. No doubt. They they would be impeaching the president because of COVID, guaranteed. Will real gold be one of the investments you make in 2022? About a year ago, I made my own first purchase of gold with the Oxford Gold Group, and I did it as a hedge against inflation. You can see how well that's turned out, folks. Real gold, as part of your long-term savings plan, is the best form of protection you can have. It holds its value, particularly when the dollar becomes worth less. Not to mention the sensation of holding actual gold in your hands. When you own it, it's pretty special. Our partners at the Oxford Gold Group have precious metals that can be delivered to your home. You take possession of it easily and store it away safely. Buying real gold is not complicated, and the team at the Oxford Gold Group will explain that to you. You can have real gold delivered to your home or have it as part of your IRA. It's just a phone call away. Call Oxford now at 833-404-GOLD and learn how you can have real gold in your IRA and delivered to your door. That's the Oxford Gold Group at 833-404-GOLD, 833-404-G-O-L-D. Double standards abound when it comes to public figures and COVID. The Democrats fleeing the states that they immiserate with Fauciism, places like New York and California. I've been saying New York is all-time high cases. Clay, is L.A. right now all-time high as well? Is that is that correct? 
Yes, Los Angeles uh, today has set an all-time high in COVID cases, despite also having vaccine mandates and uh, mask mandates everywhere for months now. It's almost like you can't stop the cases, but if you just focus on those who are at risk, you'll bring down deaths substantially, which kind of sounds a bit like focused protection, which I'm pretty sure was the centerpiece of the Great Barrington Declaration from, oh, 2020, about the summer of 2020, if memory serves, and was shouted down by Fauci and all the rest. Get the shots and shots and shots and more shots for everyone. The shots are good for some people. No question. The shots are good for people who are at high risk. They're worth it. When I say good, I mean it's worth it from a risk perspective. But we we have lost lost all sense of reason here in the Biden regime and with the Fauci apparatus. And so it just it never it never seems to learn. They they never seem to look at what's actually happened and say we're going to take a different approach. Speaking of of who learns and who doesn't, uh, we we had mentioned before uh, that Governor Ron DeSantis, they're they're, of course, attacking him, uh, as always. And they're always trying to say that there's something wrong with whatever he's done. They went after him, as we mentioned, for being what they said was missing an action while the Florida COVID case count is rising. Governor DeSantis responded to this today from Florida. Here's what he says. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should have been at the beach in Delaware, right? And then they would have been really happy with that. Um, you know, it was, I mean, you look, we actually put out the schedule, and I think these people didn't know that. They think because you're not doing a big press conference, you're not doing. So, you know, uh, Friday we were, uh, this Kevin, Joe, and I all had discussions about, you know, doing what we're doing. Of course, I was at the, uh, down in Miami later, to Thursday in the office working on this and some other stuff. Yeah. But they jumped on him anyway. It's remember when the uh, the C, I think it was a CBS reporter came after him about the Publix Publix grocery store chain and how oh it's donors or something and he just eviscerated that. What you realize is that they don't even care. It's not about credibility for the media apparatus and the Biden regime toadies. It's about take your take your opportunities to ambush DeSantis. True or not, it doesn't matter because the other libs will like you for it. No doubt. And and I think it's important that you bring that up. What was going on with Publix was they were distributing the vaccine using Publix pharmacies to the best of their ability, because as anybody who has spent much time in Florida knows, there are a massive number of Publix grocery stores. And so the one of the ways to get the vaccine out to the largest number of people was to have the biggest possible retailers that have the ability to give these vaccine shots. And what CBS tried to say was, oh, this was a giveaway over a $100,000 contribution. Now, I think Ron DeSantis right now, if I'm not mistaken, has $67 million in his 2022 election war chest. That's the most recent number that I have seen. $100,000 barely even registers on that uh, horizon. But in that story, many Democrats actually came out and said, no, 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 we were involved in the meetings surrounding this. The reason why Publix was involved in vaccine distributions was to get as many shots in arms as we possibly could. So he was actually trying to implement the strategy of the Fauciites, particularly given how many elderly people there are, Buck, in Florida, uh, and get as many vaccines in arms as he possibly could using the best possible method to do so. And then, of course, there's the reality that we've discussed of how Democrats, including members of Congress, including AOC, 
among others, act when it comes to COVID versus the way they speak about the issue. DeSantis called out AOC for being yet again another politician who is saying that Florida's reckless and there's no mask and it's so dangerous. And they go, oh, but when I want to hang out and relax, that's where I go. If I had a dollar for every lockdown politician who decided to escape to Florida over the last two years, I'd be a pretty doggone wealthy man, let me tell you. I mean, Congress people, mayors, governors, I mean, you name it. And um, it's interesting, though, the reception that, you know, that, that some of these folks will get in Florida, because I think a lot of Floridians say, wait a minute, you're bashing us because we're not doing your draconian policies, and yet we're the first place you want to flee to, uh, to basically to be able to, to, to enjoy life. And so I'm not surprised to see that continue to happen these people are in denial by the way the ones that ignore this stuff that think that there's no oh who cares that aoc goes to florida no it matters a lot actually when you're when you're pushing for children to be masked up in schools where you live because that's where your political power base is but when you go vacation you're maskless big crowds kids adults who cares it matters a lot but i think there's a lot of denialism clay on the left about all this because so many people were so sure they believe. I mean, Fauci was was a a father figure for them, a, a religious figure for them. Pope Fauci was giving his edicts. And it's really hard, I think, for a lot of particularly those on the left who are used to thinking of themselves as being smart and elevated just for having the right positions to have to come to grips with the fact that you got swindled libs. You're just not that smart. Well, not only did they get swindled, what they're now trying to do is convince everyone, and this is a calculated attempt, that they never said mass protect, that they never said if you will get the COVID vaccine, it will prevent you from getting and spreading COVID. That's 100% what they said. So don't allow them to pivot and now say, no, 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 we just said that masks help some, even though that's still disputable, certainly cloth masks. And now they're saying, oh, no, no, we never. There's a lot of people saying this now, Buck. Oh, we never said that the vaccine was going to prevent you from getting COVID or spreading it. We just said that you weren't going to get super sick if you got COVID. And you notice how that's always the statement that every Democrat makes whenever they test positive now? Like Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, just came out and said, hey, uh, I'm tested positive from COVID. I'm double vaccinated. I'm also boosted. But my doctors, what they always say, my doctors have assured me because I'm vaccinated and I'm boosted that I'll have minimal symptoms as a result. I didn't get the vaccine. You know what I had? Minimal symptoms. You know what most people who get COVID have, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated? Minimal symptoms. That's even more true with Omicron. So, what are you actually proving? How do you know that the reason you had minimal symptoms was because you got the COVID vaccine? The reality is for most people, whether you get vaccinated or not, your symptoms are going to be relatively minimal if you get COVID. Doesn't mean for everybody. And again, over 75 years old, senior citizens, if you have communicable uh, immune system issues, all those things, I think you should do everything you can to protect yourself. But for the vast majority of us, Buck, we're going to be 100 billion percent fine if we get COVID, and ultimately, herd immunity is what is going yeah. to save us. It was also really vicious, and I did want to take a moment to to backtrack for a second here for the conversations we've had for the last four months or so. There was really a period this fall 
where Biden, all that pandemic of the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated are, are, the winter are of a death? threat. There are, yeah, well, 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 that's that's saying that they're at risk. But I'm talking about yeah. really demeaning the people who were unvaccinated as a public health threat. They were the unwashed. They were the unclean. And now we see that's just not true. And and it should be something that we all take a step back and say that was a terrible thing. The Biden administration did that, assuming that people who are unvaccinated, but irrespective of natural immunity, which we now know beyond any doubt is more powerful, lasting and, and durable than the vaccinated kind. I mean, you know, this this is now irrefutable based on the largest studies that have existed to date, or I should say cannot yet be refuted because it is science. But here we are now just moving past it. And, Clay, there was a real effort to create the undesirables, to create the the less than among the unvaccinated based upon their threat to others, not the threat. You know, if you want to take a threat to yourself, that's one thing. You want to be a threat to other people. And that was what the whole basis of this was. And they were wrong. And it was and it's gross. And I think it's immoral. And the Biden regime should be held to account for it. I think it's well said. 100 percent correct. And I would just say they're continuing, like even during the holiday break, they said the unvaccinated are going to have a winter of death. I don't think that's true either. Um, and I think they're continuing to try to divide us while not actually looking at the data and the science. I've got to tell you, I'd be fascinated to see real quickly, fascinated to see what the actual hospitalization data for vaxxed and unvaxxed looks like by the end of January. It's going to be very we're never going to see the real data. That's my concern. Yeah. They're not going to share it with us. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee's coffee I start off every day with. My go-to in the morning, I like the taste of the mocha right out of a can. I don't have to spend a lot of time with it. It's cold. I like my coffee cold, and they are phenomenal. You can find out what makes sense for you because Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned coffee company delivering and serving premium coffee to people who love America. Their coffee bean roast has been the same mission throughout. They have a military backing, and they are founded by military veterans. They're committed to supporting, hiring veterans, law enforcement, first responders. Every purchase you make, Black Rifle Coffee gives back. And they make high-quality coffee coming from Colombia and Brazil. Five days a week, they roast in their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. And you can get hooked up right now with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. That comes to my house Every single couple of weeks, I get all new Black Rifle coffee. When you join the club, you get your chosen brew, roasted package, shipped free to your door on your schedule. Not only do you save a trip to the store, you can get special discounted pricing. Get hooked up on exclusive products, member content, partner discounts, more. How do you get hooked up? Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use code Clay and Buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Your first coffee club order, 20% off. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Clay and Buck. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. 
It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. It's good to be back in the saddle here. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. And uh, we're going to have a pretty stellar 2022 for you, including a stellar start to the week. Tomorrow, Rand Paul will join us. Should be a good discussion with the Senator. Much to get into all week long. If you missed any of this show, you get every single hour. You can go look at the, to- look at the topics, decide what you want to dive into, and make sure that you don't miss a moment. Got a bunch of people who want to weigh in, been calling the show. Let's go ahead and close out today, the Monday edition of the program, with some of them. But reminder, Clay and Buck, you can just type in. I checked, actually, on iTunes. You type in Clay and Buck or Clay and Buck. Just our names. Boom, it's there. You're going to be able to find it. It's not hard at all. We got K in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, which means the good land. What's up, K? Thank you for taking my call, you two. I'll try to make this as quick as possible. So I'm a nurse. I work in transplant. So that means I take organ offers for our recipients. And this is in regards to the skewed data that's out there on COVID reporting. I would say conservatively that about 20% of the offers that I get on organ donors, because I have to look at their chart, they're all tested when they come to the hospital. Their first test will be positive, and it's that rapid test. They'll test them the same day with that more uh, sensitive test, and it's negative. They'll test them again the next day, and it's negative, right? But what people need to understand is that that first positive test is reported to the CDC. 
So it would be interesting when we talk about data that we're never probably going to see or collected is how many false tests are out there, false positives? How many of those home tests that people are taking are positive and if they're reporting them or even not reporting them? But, you know, this data is extremely skewed and it's frustrating to see that. Um, and you can just tell that we're really being misled by the CDC. This could be easily get data that's gathered and represented to the public, but you know, they will never do it. Okay, just real quick, what's the morale like among your fellow nurses these days up in Milwaukee? Oh, they're completely dejected. They're um, overwhelmed uh, in the hospital I work at. You know, they mandated the vaccines. We lost several hundred nurses just in the ICU that I used to work in. They have 18 open full-time positions. That's how badly we're hurting. Wow. And that's either from nurses leaving or they're being isolated for yeah. possibly. You, you know, Kay, I don't know if you saw this, but now, now there's some... There's some uh new guidance that COVID-positive nurses can go back into the hospital system. Have you seen this? Because they're so understaffed. That's I, what this has actually turned into. They're pushing for people yeah. actively with COVID to go into the hospital to replace the people who wouldn't get vaccinated. That's what's happening now in some yeah. hospital systems. Well, and real quick, if you'll allow me, about 15 seconds. Sure. So the nurses who left, who were told that they had to get mandated vaccines and they refused it, what they did was they took travel positions, travel nursing positions. Travel companies don't require the vaccine. These nurses leave. They get paid almost triple as much as they used to get paid at the hospital that. And those same hospitals are hiring them back, <laughs> knowing they don't have to get mandatory vaccines. So that just tells you these hospitals, when they tell you, oh, it's about the patient. It's about taking care of them. That's such BS. It is. I give thanks for use travel agencies that don't vaccinate. Okay, excellent, excellent call. Fantastic. We have so much expertise in a range of areas, but certainly in the medical side of things, Clay, with this audience. We've also got a lot of folks who are big sports. You got something? Because I got a sports fan. No, dive it up. Dial it in. We got uh, Rich in New Jersey's got some Antonio Brown thoughts. We're going to direct toward Mr. Travis over here. What's up, Rich? All righty. Just wanted to uh, throw this in there. but your your point about how Biles would be treated compared to Brown still holds. But just so you know, Brown was hurt for the last, whatever, eight weeks. He played last week and then re-injured himself during the week. During this game, he said he was hurt and didn't want to go back in. And the coaches told him if he wasn't, wasn't going to go back in, he was off the team. Now, could you imagine if Biles said that and their coaches said, well, then you're off the team. So your point holds, but I don't know why I'm sticking up for Antonio Brown, but he was hurt and didn't want to go back in, and they kicked him off the team. He didn't just walk off. Hmm. Yeah, and I I think, thanks for the call, the challenge here in making a direct analogy between Antonio Brown and Simone Biles is Antonio Brown has a history of being a malcontent and being a poor teammate, whether it was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it was with the Oakland Raiders, now obviously with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so... The benefit of the doubt that he is going to get in any scenario like this is relatively uh, low. We'll see what Antonio Brown says when he comes out and speaks publicly, which I'm sure he will do at some point in time. The larger context of the discussion, however, remains, I think, a really fascinating one. And it is this. Why did so many people, as I knew would happen, line up and immediately criticize Antonio Brown? I'm talking about in the world of sports as uh, uh, ripping him for walking off the field in the middle of a competition, even if he had an injury-related issue, for the way that he behaved. 
while simultaneously those same people this summer said how courageous it was and brave of Simone Biles to pull herself out of competition at the Olympics. The standard of how we treat female athletes needs to be the same as the way we treat male athletes. And oh, by the way, there's still a difference between men and women when I was it comes say, to competition with that UPenn swimmer story, which continues we'll, we'll, to spiral up. We'll come there. back to that one, too. Everybody, it is great to be back with you. Clay and I are going to be lighting up with you all week. And, you know, no vacations planned anytime soon. I can tell you that. We are locked and loaded for action, friends. Talking to you about all the latest in the news. Please check out the podcast. Clay and Bach, back with you tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.